Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello my friend and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. Don Harris, your host. And we've been talking from chapter 39 in our book and this is where Jesus is defending his disciples against the accusations of the scribes and Pharisees about them not keeping their traditions. And uh, yesterday we talked about traditions, and I tried to do so in a, in a loving way because, uh, you know, our, our beloved brother the Jew, um, it, it, we need not turn him into some kind of a villain that, uh, you know, hates God or, you know, he's you know, a religious zealot or whatever else. Because, um, you know, the, the fact is, is we hardly differ from these people and many others, by the way, that um, uh, are trying to serve God as, as best we know. And, um, you know, when we were talking last time, we were talking about how the fences are being built around the commandment and in some cases even fences around the fences in order to keep us from violating a commandment of God. Uh, you, and you might wonder, didn't Jesus do that when he said, if you think about it, that uh, it's, as, it's as bad as violating the commandment? Well, first of all, he didn't say that. But uh, second, I think that Jesus was teaching at that particular point that there is such a thing as a person um, uh, moving into a, another area that is past obedience, uh, which is regeneration. Uh, not only can you live uh, free from the violation of those commandments, but you can le- live free from the desire to break those commandments. And that is, that's that point of regeneration that he was trying to sell to that rich young ruler that day. Um, because the rich ruler was saying, you know, I'm keeping the commandments. What do I lack now? Uh, which would be a very great question for most of us to ask ourselves. So Jesus uh, was not building uh, arbitrary fences at that point, but religion seems to do that. Um, They want to abstain from all appearance of evil. Well, unfortunately, they want to abstain from all the appearance of evil as interpreted by the particular denomination or church that they attend. Uh, there are people who will not, cannot, in some cases, fellowship with other people who love the Lord essentially as much as they do, but they can't fellowship with them because, why, that church, they take their kids roller skating. Can you tell that I was raised up in a Pentecostal church? <laughs> they take them roller skating. And, uh, you know, you can't have anything to do with them. Well, it's really time to stop all that foolishness. If you want to you want to make yourself a little holier-than-thou club, do it. But please, you know, spell Christianity with a K or something to distinguish yourself from the Christ of 2,000 years ago who taught us very clearly that, hey, you know what? If they're not against us, they're for us. If they're for us, then they're not going to speak any, anything ugly against us. So can't we all just kind of get along here? And Now... There, there are people that are going to have serious problems with me putting the words of Rodney King into the, into the mouth of uh, Jesus. But, you know, it's really a good question. 
Um, if, if Christians don't have what it takes to love one another and to get along with one another and to, and to just, you know, if, if we don't like something, why not just suffer with it? If, if the Christians can't do this, who in the world is going to do this? That's what I want to know. Uh, there, nobody is better qualified to suffer than Christians are. We're the richest people on two feet in this world. We, we have more than anybody else in this world. We're, we're tied to a power that they don't even understand. And you want to make sure that you take them to court and sue them for everything they've got? No, Jesus, his attitude was different than that, wasn't it? What, are they going to take your coat? Eh, give them your shirt too. Look at the look on their face. <laughs> um, anyway, this idea of building fences around the commandments, I just want you to know that it, it, I'm not speaking disparagingly of, disparagingly of anyone who is actually doing that uh, if what they're doing is not necessarily building a denomination or building a us for and no more kind of a club, but people who are really trying to worship the Lord and to give Him His due and to, um, and to, and to live a life that's pleasing before Him. And I just think that that's the case more than not. Am I naive? I don't know. Don't care. But it does help me sleep at night, realizing that not everybody who disagrees with me is wicked and on their way to hell. <laughs> um, so Jesus is trying to teach these people, now look, you're putting way too much emphasis on your tradition. And he gave the example, I think it's interesting, I was, I was starting to tell you last uh, segment of the show, that uh, they would make these traditions, and sometimes... It wasn't necessarily building a fence around the commandment, but building a pathway around it. Oh boy, that's, that really gets dangerous. Now, now we're dealing with wickedness. Do you understand the difference? If I decide that I am going to, um, uh, I, I, need to I need to violate a commandment of God, I can pretty much come up with what I need to uh, to to go around this commandment and still have some uh, feeling that I'm keeping the commandment and I'm not so bad and I'm not as bad as that guy or that gal or whoever. Um, but man, that's just wrong. That's wicked. That's selfish. It's it's very very unchristian. Now the uh, the temple in in those days and the and the priest. You have to understand that the priesthood was a group of men who were called by God to be priests, uh, and they had different um, ministries within the temple. Some of the guys were just maintenance crew. Um, uh, back in the days when they used to carry the tabernacle, there were people who struck the tabernacle, who, who, who broke it down and packed it up and carried it to wherever the Lord wanted it set up, and they would set it up. And then there was another group, that would uh, take care of the ministry of the temple. They would do the sacrifices and they would make sure everything was according to the scriptures and, and, and everything was just as the Lord wanted it to be. But this group of, uh, of uh, priests, um, they were peculiar, peculiar in that the Lord says, I don't want my ministers... Boy, this is, this is going to go against the grain of a lot of ministers today. But he says, I don't want my ministers encumbered with money and possessions, making a living and all these kinds of things. We're going to have to work out some kind of a deal here 
so that the tithe from the people who bring tithe to the Lord, the ministers can uh, use that for their living and for taking care of their families. They, didn't, they couldn't own flocks of sheep. They couldn't even own the land to graze them on. They, they couldn't essentially own anything. And so they were very dependent upon people obeying the Lord in the area of tithe. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, the, the Bible speaks of three different tithes, uh, one of which is, you know, the one that's commonly known and everybody seems to avoid. Everybody seems to relegate that to the past and the way, you know, you know we don't have to do that anymore. That's a big surprise, huh? 10% of your income, 10% of your increase, actually, not your income, but 10% of your increase is to be given to the Lord for the ministry of, uh, of His kingdom on the earth. That's what, it's, that's what that money is supposed to be doing. It's a well-known fact. It's, uh, you can't get around it. Insurmountable fact that, that ministries require money from time to time, and there's just no other way around it. It would be nice if, uh, if material goods were met without money, but they're not. And in many cases, it doesn't even make sense to try to do that. Now, that 10% is a well-known tithe. Then there is the second tithe, which is the money that you, as the priesthood, as the priest of your home, dad, you're supposed to set aside 10% of your income to see to it that your family participate in the feast of the Lord. Did you know that? I know you're sitting there wondering, the feast of what? <laughs> uh, well, see, these are the things that we, that we just dealt away, that we, that we threw away, ignored, put them behind us, and now we have our own feast. We don't need his feast anymore. We've got Christmas, we've got Easter, we've got Oktoberfest, and we've got... Uh, Every other celebration you can think of, uh, you know, I mean, everything from birthdays to, you know, every, every excuse to celebrate. But the feasts of the Lord go unattended and people don't pay attention to it. They can't even imagine Christmas coming and going without sending and receiving Christmas cards. They can't even imagine that. But the feast of the Lord can come and go and say, well, when was that? Well, was that was that this year? Is that next month? When is that? You know what it is, it's just a, a matter of priorities, isn't it? Well, the second tithe was supposed to be set aside so that you could uh, attend those feasts. You have to understand that in a lot of cases, you know, Israel was pretty well spread out, and if the Feast of Tabernacles was being held in Jerusalem, it was quite a trek to go to Jerusalem for eight days. Uh, and that doesn't include travel days. So you know, a good two, perhaps three weeks of their life was going to be dedicated to this uh, attendance of this feast. And so it was going to be expensive. God gave them a provision saying, you don't have to lead all your cattle or your livestock with you when you go because they're, they're going to bring 10% to the temple to feed and to, and, to, and to clothe and to take care of these priests who are running the temple because they were going to pay tithes. Do you want to see this in, in action? Um, you need to read the book of Tobit. You don't have a book of Tobit? Oh, I'm so sorry. The American Bible Society decided that you didn't need that book. So they 
took it out of the Bible, and many people have never even heard of it. Get yourself an apocryphal Bible. You see how thick that monster is? <laughs> Boy, look, look at the books they decided that you didn't need to, that you didn't need to know anything about. Uh, but get yourself an apocryphal Bible and, um, and, and get to know the apocrypha because, um, uh, by the way, all you folks out there that are dancing around and hollering how much you love the King James Bible, and we're a King James Bible church. I love it when I uh, go to a church and they have, you know, on the sign out front or painted on the building or, or they put it in an advertisement, you know, KJV. Like, you know, that's supposed to impress somebody. I love to go to those churches because I like to look around and see if anybody... Act, oh, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't specific enough. It says 1611 KJV on their churches. And they're so proud that they're 1611 King James Bible people. I just love to go to those churches and ask around, does anybody have one? <laughs> well, you know what you'll find? They don't. If you have a 1611 King James Bible, well, not only is it uh, difficult to read because it's uh, in, a, in a different type of script, but you can still get them you know, translated into uh, somewhat modern English. Uh, at least the King James English that we're all aware of. But what you'll notice is, is there's books missing from that Bible. Because when the King James Bible was printed, when it was translated and printed and passed out among people, up until, what, 150 years ago? It all, all of them had the Apocrypha in them. It was removed. I mean, essentially in your grandpa's lifetime. <laughs> anyway... So, 1611 King James people, yeah, prove it. <laughs> I, look, I'm a King James guy. I love a King James. It, it's, it's my Bible. It's the one I read. It's the one that's, that's in my head. It's, you know, but, you know, hey, it's, it's just growing up in it. That's all. It's not that I have some affinity for it or believe that every other Bible's a lie. It's just a matter of that's what I'm used to, and that's what I love. So, um, you know, King James people are just, wow. <laughs> They're interesting to talk to until you start talking about the Apocrypha. Well, when we're talking about tithes, one of the best examples of, uh, of a man participating in all three of the tithes, I haven't told you about the third one yet, have I? But the people who participate in all three of those tithes, um, if you want a, a great example of that, it was in the book of Tobit where he, he explains Tobias is actually... See, Tobias is the Greek rendition of the word Tobit, of the Hebrew name Tobit. And, uh, and he was talking about, I, I gathered up 10% of the best, and I was bringing it to the feast, you see? And, and he talks about uh, using that money for the feast, and uh, he talks about his second tithe, and he talks about his third tithe. And um, it's, it's very clearly... You can read it there. It's just uh, amazing. But I guess tithing is not a, a really uh, exciting subject to talk about. And, and you know, I, I've noticed that just recently uh, there's been a rise among uh, the, the Protestant preachers that talk about they don't believe in tithing. They just don't believe in tithing. It's an Old Testament thing, and it's not for us today. And, wow, man, uh, I, I've, I've never really understood that. It, it's just a perfect way to give to the Lord. You, you do want to give, right? 
you do want to, you want him to be a part of your finances. You want him to bless your finances, don't you? He said, if you tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing that you'll not be able to receive it. I mean, it's one of the, one of the few general statements he makes to the body that says, that, you know, do this. Prove me. Test me on this. See if I won't do it. It's one of the, the few uh, general uh, declarations to the entire body that this is a fact. And, you know, you're robbing me. You're, you're robbing the ministry. You're, 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 your church, I don't care how much money your church has, your church is, if they were properly funded, if your congregation was properly funded by tithes, Nobody in the community of that church would need anything. You'd have to hire somebody to see who needs help in that community. Honest to goodness. You'd have more than you know what to do with. You know how many people tithe? <laughs> Almost none. Because I, it's, Is it because they don't want the Lord involved in their finances? I don't know. Why do they do that? I don't know. It's just stingy. They can get away with it, I guess. I guess they think they can. The Lord says you're robbing him. Now, you know, and you're talking about a Lord who remembers for 490 years, he's over there tallying up the Sabbath that he's going to get back from the children of Israel. I wouldn't mess with him if I were you. But here we have uh, these, these feasts of the Lord that uh, were to be attended, and these, these tithes. Oh, I didn't tell you about the third tithe, did I? Sorry. The third tithe is actually not a tenth. It's a tenth, but it's, but it's done every three years. So it's really kind of like a 3.3%. Um, and that money is um, for uh, the, the widows and the orphans and, uh, and the Levite. And I guess I was, uh, what I wanted you to see was is that the Levite was able to live of a tithe that was not only given for ministry, which I happen to believe was some kind of a salary or stipend or something that came from the temple to to the uh, Levites who participated. And, uh, and then this third tithe was a personal gift from people directly to the Levite. So they actually received in two different ways uh, what they needed for the sustenance of life. It's a wonderful system. I don't know why people don't do it. Uh, I guess we'd rather just pay our preacher a salary and and every time uh, you know he talks about something that needs to be done in the kingdom of God, you can look at him and say, well, that's what we pay you for. <laughs> oh boy, what a mess. I guess that's how the church turned into such an institution, such a business. Um, and, if, and if your preacher is inordinately uh, um, uh, affectionate toward uh, money and things and Cars and clothes and, oh, and what were the three G's, the, the gold and the girls and the glory. Um, it might be that you made him that way by paying him to do what the Lord has called him to do. Instead of letting him receive from the ministry what he needs to sustain his life. Look, he chose the ministry. He chose that. If he, if he wanted more money, he should have went to college and majored in something else. He should go get a job and, and work for a living. But if you're in the ministry, you do this because the Lord's called you into it. And the sustenance of you, hey, and your family, by the way, 
oops. Uh, but um, the sustenance of, of yourself and your family is now in the hands of the Lord. You think preachers think about this before they go into the ministry? I don't think they do. I think they think it's just a, it's just a paid position. And in many cases, well, it is. And the more education I got, the more I'm worth. I suppose. I really don't know. I've uh, never received a salary for preaching. Nope. Ever. <laughs> All right. So um, here we have uh, the ministry of, of the Levites. And they are somewhat, well, in some cases, I guess it could get to the point that they're severely dependent upon the, the obedience of the people and the goodness of the people. First tithe, third tithe. You see that? Well, as time goes on and uh, things start to drop off and uh, the, the, the priesthood and the ministry and the church and all the religious stuff kind of drops out of vogue and now it's more important. We've got a war going on or we've got famine going on or we've got something going on, uh, you know, something that's taking the attention of the people. Happens all the time. You find that uh, the, the priests end up being neglected. Did you know that the Lord says, don't ever forget my Levites? Did you know he said that? Don't forget the Levite. Don't forget the Levite. <laughs> he, he said it all the time because people did. Well, somehow they instituted kind of an automatic payment plan. Took, <laughs> took their parishioner down to the bank and set up a, uh, an electronic payment or whatever else. <laughs> set up some way that these people could give money to the ministry and somehow in some convoluted way it, it would take hours to explain it but in some convoluted way they taught the people that this is obedience to the fifth commandment which is to honor your father and mother and so whatever you give your father and mother they need to know that you've already dedicated that money to the temple. It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. Wow! And Jesus is saying, here's a good example. You're a silly tradition. You, you, you are, you're causing people to violate the fifth commandment, which is you will take care of your parents until they're in the ground. You will see to it that they have what they need. You will honor them. You know, it's, it's really, um, I would say, it, it very well could be the number one concern that I receive from people uh, as they decide to keep the commandments of God. They get to that fifth one, and my phone rings. People have real trouble understanding what it's like to honor their parents my dad's not honorable you know he's a drug addict he's a drug pusher he's a a, a pornographer he's a child molester he's a whatever i can't honor my father you see you see the problem here same thing with mothers you wouldn't believe some of the things people say oh and i'm not saying that they're making it up i'm just saying that people are just as wicked and they really have difficulty in this area and you know what? We're going to talk about that as time goes by. Uh, so more reason to stay tuned to the words of Jesus. Um, 
in this particular situation, the Lord is saying, look, okay, fine. You're doing a wonderful thing with the money. Yeah, the Levites are being taken care of and all the rest of the stuff. However, this is all being done by your tradition. Why don't you just do it the way I said to do it? Why don't you let the first tithe take care of the priest? Why don't you let the third tithe be a gift from people to, uh, you know, person to person uh, where a, a person can give to the Levite? And, and, in, and enrich them that way. Why don't you just do it the way I said to do it? Why do we have to have this, this plan, of this, this Corban plan? Because, frankly, I don't know how you, how you took the person's responsibility to their parents and coupled it with this stupid idea, but when you did so, you made the commandment of God of no effect. And Jesus brought it up to them. Now, I'll bet you he didn't make any friends that day. But uh, he felt that it was uh, necessary to do so. And then, as he was finishing, he says, and many other such things you do. <laughs> I would love to know the list that was flying through the mind of our Lord that day. When I, he talked about the washing of pots and cups and things like this, washing of hands. He talked about Corban. But he didn't even leave it there. And many other such things you do, like things you do. You do this in a lot of areas. Your traditions are more important than the commandments of God. Well, who are you talking to, Don? <laughs> Every one of us. I don't know how this happens. Is it just a degradation of our sensitivity toward the Spirit? Is it just an an enhancement of our sensitivity toward the things we want in the world? Is it sin? Is it wickedness? What causes this? But you're looking at the degradation of religion here. When a person cannot distinguish between what is necessary and spiritual and what is unnecessary and physical. It's, it's a real problem. We've been talking about this as we go through. We were, we, uh, if you remember, we were talking about um, how we're supposed to balance uh, the spiritual with the physical and how we're supposed to keep them separated. And the next, uh, the next parable was that we're supposed to make sure they're combined. And uh, now he's, he's talking about this again. You're leaving something out of the most important thing in the world, which is what? The commandments of God. He gave them to you so that you can be happy and so that you can live in, in prosperity, which is not having everything you want. But it's essentially wanting everything you have and having to, to be whole and complete and entire and wanting nothing. There's no better place to live. No better place. But we're going to dispense with his rules. We're going to do it our way. That's bad idea. Bad idea. All right, time's gone for the day. I, I really enjoy doing this. Can you tell? Uh, I want you to do something for me now. I want you to go to your computer or your phone or whatever, however it, however it is that you send emails, and I want you to write to Don at thinkredink.com. Till next time, Think Red Ink. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com.
join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.